Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Ready to start a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. And where I'm at here in Illinois, we had a much uh, cooler weekend. We're very pleasant. But what about other parts of the country? A lot of challenges out there. We'll check weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson coming up on today's show. Also, more reaction today for the uh, resignation, about the resignation of Scott Pruitt as EPA Administrator. Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will be joining us with his thoughts on Scott Pruitt and on Andrew Wheeler, who takes over now at EPA. Will there be any change from EPA towards the RFS. What does Bob Deneen expect? We'll talk about that. Then Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, will join us as well as we talk about those tariffs on uh, China and the retaliation from China. Soybeans uh, right in the crosshairs. We'll talk about that with Ryan Finley a little bit later on. But first, let's welcome the editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications, Sarah Wyatt. Sarah, it looks like another busy week ahead, doesn't it? It sure is, Mike, and good morning. We've got a, a, so many issues that producers are confronting. You mentioned several in your introduction there, but one that we're going to be watching throughout the day, of course, is the president's uh, pick for the Supreme Court opening that became available with the retirement of Justice Anthony Kennedy. So he says he's down to four candidates and will be on judicial watch throughout the day with a 9 p.m. announcement scheduled on Eastern Time for the president's pick. And I can't underscore how important this pick is, not only for the country, but for American agriculture as an industry, because so many of the regulatory issues that have been bothersome to producers have gone up through the Supreme Court, whether it's the waters of the U.S. or some of the other regulatory issues that have uh, confronted producers, they will be determined by now what is likely to be a more conservative Supreme Court. No matter who he picks, there will be a fierce battle over it, that's for sure. Uh, Does that have the possibility of just consuming Washington, consuming Congress to the point that other things like the Farm Bill may get delayed? Well, it is going to consume Washington, and it's going to consume uh, people out in every state, especially the Democrats who are up for re-election in the Senate who are running in red states. It's going to be a really tough vote for them. Plus, uh, given that we only have a 51-49 split in the Senate, uh, Democrats are going to be really pressuring those uh, folks who are running in red states to make sure they stay within the party. And Republicans are going to be pressuring their fellow members, especially Susan Collins in Maine and Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, uh, even John McCain, who hasn't had a vote since December. Uh, they'll be looking at all of those to stay in line uh, on, be- on both sides. Now they can't really uh, afford to lose votes uh, on either side. So it's going to be very close, and uh, you're going to see huge investments in political dollars going on this uh, Supreme Court nominee. It's, it's going to be an incredible fight. I don't think that means the farm bill doesn't get done, or at least there's going to be an attempt to get it done uh, as soon as the 
conferees can be selected and they can go ahead and move into conference. I'm sure work behind the scenes has already been started. Yeah, we wait to see who those conferees will be. And they have some issues that they're they're going to have to uh, work through. I mean, this uh, this isn't a slam dunk by any means. There's some there's some tough decisions to be made on the farm bill yet. Oh yes, and you know there are a lot of differences between the House and the Senate versions. But I still am convinced that the toughest fight is going to be over the nutrition title. And we talked to uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell last week and basically he said the same thing that in order to make sure that they can get a farm bill passed in the senate uh, they have to have uh, nutrition language that's going to be acceptable and as you know mike the senate passed by a very very large margin 86 to 11 and he's mcconnell has made it clear that the nutrition provisions will have to be acceptable to democrats in order to get a pass through the senate and that's a tough play for house chairman uh, mike conway who also needs all the republicans in his body in order to pass because he didn't have any democrats at all so that will be a, a really interesting one to watch to see if they can reach a compromise on the nutrition title Meanwhile, of course, we have the trade tensions, the trade war, if you will, tariffs and retaliation. Um, this is go- this is turning into a real test of uh, farm support for this administration. It is, and I think it's starting to really uh, uh, backfire in many ways in that you can see the messaging coming out of that we want to support the president, but when you've got producers' bottom line sinking, uh, on a daily basis right now, there's only so far they're, they're going to be willing to go. I think they've been keeping a stiff upper lip, and they've been you know, praised by this administration as being patriots. They're waiting to see if the administration is going to help bail them out with uh, perhaps uh, you know, this $30 billion that they say they have available under Section 32 and other provisions to help support farmers during this difficult time. But we just don't have any details. So We'll see how long that good faith will continue to last among the farm community, who I think recognize that there needs to be something done to address intellectual property theft and other problems that have emerged in the Chinese market. But uh, you're watching those things every day as I am, Mike, and you can see the pressure is going to continue to mount from all these producer groups as uh, their markets continue to sink. Yeah, Secretary Purdue's out. You know, he's... He continues to be on the road talking with farmers. That's good. But it's almost like, wow, how long can you keep telling everybody it's going to be okay? <laughs> At some point, they gotta, they're going to want to see some, some proof that it's going to be okay, right? That's exactly right. And we've got a really good interview on our open mic segment right now with Dan Kowalski from CoBank. And he expresses the concerns that lenders are starting to feel and looking at some of their financial analysis and and it's really a nice in-depth perspective on how the lending community is going to start chiming in along with the producer community saying you know we just cannot continue to support some of these growers with margins that are are basically going to be underwater there aren't going to be any opportunities for some of these producers to make money unless they can get some sort of a government bailout Yep, some really challenging times. Another interesting week ahead. Sarah, as always, good to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Have a good week. You too. Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse. 
Communications. All right, coming up a little bit later, we'll talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley, about these tariffs with China and the retaliation and how this could impact uh, and already is impacting soybeans. And where do we go from here? What is the American Soybean Association saying about all this? Also later, Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. A lot to say about the uh, now past, the immediate past uh, administrator of EPA, Scott Pruitt, following his resignation last week. What about uh, his replacement, Andrew Wheeler? Will things be any different when it comes to the RFS? What does Bob Deneen expect? But coming up next, weather for this week ahead. Who gets rain, who doesn't? What are the temps going to be? We'll talk about it with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed at Management Service Provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And let's talk weather with ETM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, who's going to be happy this week? Who's not going to be so happy? Yes, good morning, Mike. I I think that this week is going to be one where, um, at least on the temperature side, everybody gets along fairly well. Um, We have uh, a little bit of a change in the forecast model uh, depiction for heat during the next uh, 10 days, and that's a big feature uh, getting into uh, the first part of this week. Last week, that uh, that uh, presentation was looking uh, a little bit more stressful over most of the uh, major crop areas uh, during the middle part of July. Today, there's more of uh, actually a little bit of a northerly airflow component to the upper air pattern, and that should mean milder temperatures. Now, this week, uh, we're still going to see a Uh, dry area uh, in that southwestern Midwest basically continue in that regard. Um, Eastern Kansas, northern Missouri, into western Illinois are going to have uh, very little in the way of rainfall. We could see a few showers again in the upper Midwest, but nothing like the most recent round of very heavy rain. And then there could be a little bit of drought benefit in the southwestern part of the country because the southwestern monsoon is getting active this week. I'm even seeing some rainfall in Arizona and New Mexico on radar presentations today along with Southern California. We haven't seen that for months, so there may be a little bit of benefit there. It's going to be very slight, but uh, there may be some rainfall to help things out a little bit in that part of the country. Well, you mentioned northern Missouri. My friend Gene Miller there in the St. Joe area keeps reminding me and letting me know how dry they are in that part of uh, Missouri. And it doesn't sound like any real relief for them coming soon. No, it does not. Uh, that, uh, that area, you know, between Interstate 70 and uh, U.S. Highway uh, 36 has been a, a real dry corridor, quite frankly, uh, for, for much of the season. Uh, we know that uh, in the crop ratings that uh, there's uh, the the uh, highest uh, total of poor to very poor conditions uh, coming out of Missouri and then into Kansas as well because, uh, you know, Kansas has been uh, pretty dry overall also. And this week uh, the, uh, the general trend of uh, showers is going to kind of circle uh, north and west of that southwestern Midwest area. Uh, so there's going to be just a, a little bit of a chance for rainfall, and, and that's about it when we think about how this week is going to be. On the other hand, uh, again, I do want to mention that the uh, very wet northern Midwest area probably is not going to get another round of uh, the real heavy stuff, but uh, that uh, southwestern Midwest uh, uh, portion of the country, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they've been uh, they've been hard-pressed uh, to find some uh, some moisture over the past uh, month, especially, and it just is going to continue that way. 
you know, when you look at that, we talk about how dry it is, say, in northern Missouri, how wet it's been in parts of Minnesota. And I'm here in uh, west central Illinois where things really look good. It's amazing in a relatively small area the, how ex- you know, we have such extremes in, in that circle. Yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, trend has been pretty well uh, locked in place for the season. <laughs> Uh, has it not uh, with the uh, you know with that drier trend I think that uh, we are seeing an influence in the southwestern Midwest from uh, the the uh, dry areas that have been a uh, large feature over the southern plains over the past several months and uh, that's uh, kind of uh, curled into or extended into I should say that uh, northern Missouri and southern Iowa area uh, and then, on the other hand, uh, the, the boundary has been U.S. Highway 20 north, and uh, north of there, that's where the uh, rainfall is focused. But, yes, the pattern has been uh, pretty well dialed in for a number of weeks now, and uh, the fact that it doesn't show any real uh, tendency to change over the next uh, week or so, week to 10 days, uh, is uh, is pretty noteworthy. And I think if there is going to be any real reduction in uh, yield potential uh, the way things are now it is going to be in that southwestern part of the corn belt i was going to ask you whether the long range models show any change in these patterns sounds like they're going to stay with us i think that's the way we're going to we're going to uh, play things out uh, certainly over the balance of the month of july uh, there's been a a real reluctance in terms of uh, the uh, storm track to uh, move far enough south and then when, when it does move south to be slow enough uh, to draw in some moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico and really benefit uh, that part of the country, it doesn't look like uh, that's going to be changing anytime soon. So when you look at where we're at here approaching mid-July for 2018, uh, a lot of times we refer back to past years. We do that a lot in agriculture. This year reminds us of such and such a year. What what is this pattern most like in recent history, Bryce? The uh, the scenario, Mike, is is somewhat reminiscent of uh, of actually the a couple of years that we had in the early 1980s, and and uh, the the years that I'm thinking of were were overall pretty good production years. Uh, there they were uh, periods of time when there were some uh, some crop deficits, but we do have that every year i think when you look at the uh at, at the corn belt in general that it's important to uh keep in mind that every year there is some there is some pocket or some area some sector that doesn't get along as well as others do and we even saw that a year ago um and we have seen it every every year for one reason or another but uh, we we have such a uh, a large portion of the country now that is engaged in in these row crop production uh, activities that that uh, there's there's going to be the uh, prospect for for some problems in some locale, but when it's all said and done, there's such a big area to consider that there is still quite a harvest that we can come up with. Yeah, it's one of those 
where if you're in one of those pockets, <laughs> you can't imagine that uh, the rest of the country is producing such a big crop and because it looks so tough uh, outside your own window. And uh, unfortunately, that's going to be the case for some folks again this year. All right, Bryce, uh, take us around uh, the globe. What do we see internationally weather-wise? The uh, scenario in, in Europe and the Black Sea region of Ukraine and Russia, Mike, is still looking uh, a little bit on the dry side uh, because, or I, sh- I, uh, I say that in a, in a real understated fashion, uh, the wheat crops in uh, Europe and in Ukraine and Russia are going to be notably lower than a year ago because it's been very dry for a number of weeks now. Uh, this week we're going to see a few showers in eastern Ukraine and southern Russia, but it's not going to change the scenario for their wheat crop outlook, and it may allow just for a little bit of improvement in their row crop uh, situation. And uh, then in China, uh, the uh, northeastern part of that country, the former uh, Manchuria region, is uh, getting along pretty well for corn and soybeans. It has been pretty dry in part of the North China Plain, and uh, we're going to be watching this week to see if they get some rainfall out of a big typhoon called Maria that's uh, going to be moving into the China coast later this week to see if it brings any rain farther north into that north-central part of China. That could be a pretty important event for that part of the world. World also focused on what's going on with the rescue in Thailand uh, to get uh, those boys uh, of the soccer team and their their coach out of that cave. I think eight have been rescued now, but uh, they are battling rising water levels again there aren't they yes they are and uh the you know this is a a a time uh when in that kind of uh, semi-tropical part of the world uh rainfall can hit uh you know very quickly and very heavily and and uh as uh as as things have played out i think that even though the situation is very desperate they have been able to benefit by just a, a little bit of a respite in between those uh, summertime thunderstorms. And I know that uh, everybody is, is uh, mindful of uh, you know, being efficient in the use of time to uh, get this rescue operation underway, or not underway, but uh, this rescue operation carried out. And, uh, and you know, there's no doubt that uh, they have just a few days available before a new round of rainfall develops in Southeast Asia. Yes, we keep them in our prayers. All right. Bryce, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. Take care. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, coming up next. Now that Scott Pruitt is no longer administrator at EPA, what does that mean going forward? It's kind of, He had kind of a mixed record, if you will, for agriculture. There was some progress on some regulations like waters of the U.S., But if you're talking to the folks in the biofuels community, uh, they're not really sad to see him go at all because of uh, what was going on with the RFS and the granting of those waivers and uh, the lack of action on E15 year-round. So where do we go from here? What might we expect with Andrew Wheeler at the helm? We'll talk about it with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, coming up next on Adams on Agriculture.
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures fell in the overnight session after that big rally on Friday. Soybean prices in particular surging after China introduced tariffs on American oil seeds on Friday. Traders said to be betting that the effect of the duties were already priced in. Analysts say they're starting this week more cautiously, however, an hour into the trading day, trending 18 to 19 and a fraction lower. USDA saying exporters sold 132,000 metric tons of soybeans to unidentified customers for delivery in the upcoming 2018-19 crop year. November soybeans blasted higher on Friday. The action cementing Friday's low, a new contract low, at 8.53 and a quarter. On the upside, minor resistance and bullish targets lie at 8.99 to 9.01 and a quarter, then 9.20 and a half. That'd be the high from June 25th. New crop December corn climbed on Friday, the 20-day moving average level, serving as first resistance at 377 and a quarter. An hour into the trading day, 8 to 9 cents lower in corn, approaching 20 cents lower in soybeans, and losses of 9 to 10 cents in the wheats. Livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures. The nearby contract near unchanged, back months 45 to 50 cents lower. Meat packers paying sharply higher prices for cattle late last week, trading around 112 to 113 live, according to USDA, up from 107 the previous week. Wide processing margins, giving packers the extra cash needed to raise their bids. Feeder cattle 15 to 50 cents lower early Monday. Lean hogs 60 cents to a dollar. 80 lower. The Dow is up 200 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Scott Pruitt out at EPA. Andrew Wheeler, the new acting head of the Environmental Protection Agency. What does that mean for biofuels and the RFS moving forward? Let's talk about it with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Bob, thanks for joining us. I know that you were not sad to see Scott Pruitt leave EPA. No, I did a little happy dance. I will confess to that. So now that the change has been made, what do we know about Andrew Wheeler, and are you more optimistic that that uh, he'll be better at handling the RFS, in your opinion, or is your feeling it can't be worse, or, or how, how do you feel moving forward now? Well, look, um, I know Andy Wheeler uh, is no Scott Pruitt. Uh, Scott Pruitt had been on a uh, campaign waging war against ethanol, biofuels, and the RFS from the minute uh, he put his hand on the Bible and uh, swore to uphold the law as administrator of EPA. Uh, Andy Wheeler understands these issues. Uh, People like to point to the fact that, well, he uh, was a coal lobbyist or uh, he worked for Jim Inhofe, and so the inference is he's not going to be supportive of biofuels, but uh, I've known him for 30 years. I worked with him when he worked for Senator Voinovich from Ohio, and he actually worked on the RFS himself. Um, Now, he's going to be reflecting the views of his boss. Uh, He's going to be uh, abiding by the statute, and uh, if he does that, I think we will be just fine. He's a policy wonk. He's going to get into EPA and I think focus on uh, the law and the policy and not the politics as uh, his predecessor was. Bob, I know you told me repeatedly that you felt Scott Pruitt had just gone off the reservation. He was kind of doing his own thing apart from what the president wanted when it came to the RFS and biofuels. So now we don't we really find out from this point on uh how the how strongly the White House feels about uh, supporting the RFS because if it happens again, you got to wonder, okay, how committed is the White House? But now is a chance to kind of hit restart and uh, um, hopefully see action to back up what the president has been saying about his support for the re- renewable fuel standard. Mike, I think that's right, but I think the fact that Scott Pruitt is gone uh, suggests that uh, you know the president had had enough, not just of all the uh, titillating personal stuff that Scott uh, Pruitt was uh, accused of, but it came down to uh, when did Scott Pruitt stop helping on policy, and clearly uh, it was the biofuels issue. I mean, the the parlor game in Washington, D.C. since last week has been, you know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? I'll tell you what the straw that broke the camel's back was. It was his failure, his utter failure, to address the concerns of farmers across this country. And, and the president has just had enough of it. I mean, you saw it on his Scott Pruitt's redemption tour when he goes to Kansas and South Dakota and Nebraska in hopes of reclaiming his reputation and convincing farmers that, no, he, he really was in support of these programs. And it was an abysmal failure. Uh, I think at that point... Uh, the die was cast, and and he had to go. When you look back, I remember when Scott Pruitt was 
chosen to be EPA administrator and talking with you and several folks within the renewable fuels industry, you were cautiously optimistic, but you had some concerns even then, didn't you, because of his background? Yeah, look, we had we had faith, though, that despite the background, that, uh, you know, he would listen to the boss. And, you know, President Trump clearly was, is, and will remain a strong supporter of biofuels. And we just assumed, obviously wrongly so, that uh, as, a, as a result of that, Scott Pruitt would be just fine. It, he proved otherwise. He proved to be somebody that uh, would ignore what the boss wanted, would ignore the statute. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's good not just for farmers across the country and the ethanol industry that he's gone. It's probably good for the president that he's gone because he needs somebody in such a sensitive position that's uh, really going to abide by, you know, what he wants. And, and that was not happening. Talking with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So, Bob, we come back to the two big issues. How will uh, Andrew Wheeler now handle the uh, RFS as far as exemptions uh, for refineries? And also, what about year-round sales of E15? What do you expect on these fronts? I am very confident that Andy Wheeler is going to approach the waiver issues uh, with an eye towards the statute and listening to his staff, and the Department of Energy. Despite Pruitt's proclamations to the contrary, he ignored the Department of Energy recommendations. And and Scott Pruitt himself overturned staff recommendations to grant waivers to companies that the recommendation from both the Department of Energy and from career staff at EPA was to deny them. I (laughs) I just have no doubt that Andy Wheeler is going to abide by the recommendations of DOE and staff. And with respect to the RVP waiver, uh, you know, I think we've sort of crossed the Rubicon. Even Scott Pruitt had recognized that we have the statutory, or the agency has the statutory to allow the year-round blending of E15. And I think uh, uh, Andy Wheeler will recognize that as well. You know, it wasn't just coal that he represented uh, when he was a lobbyist for a short time. He also had biofuels clients. He had gasoline marketer clients. Uh, he was actually lobbying in support of uh, volatility parity for E10 and E15. He gets it. Uh, so I am confident that we will be able to uh, finally uh, you know, push that rock all the way up the hill and that it won't be rolled back at us uh, by Scott Pruitt. What about the reallocation issue? Is that toothpaste out of the tube you can't get back in, or do you think that actually there will be a chance to go back and uh, try to fix that? Well, we're certainly you know going to. It might take court action, which is why we filed uh, lawsuits in both the Tenth Circuit and here in D.C. to try to uh, get that policy that Scott Pruitt implemented reversed. And, and see if we can't get some satisfaction on the more than 3 billion gallons of demand destruction that Scott Pruitt did. There, there are ways you can address it. Uh, EPA has demonstrated that they can uh, create RINs for companies retroactively. Well, they can also uh, destroy RINs uh, to accommodate uh, the, the demand that uh, they have destructed. They can, they can address what is now more than a $3 billion surplus RIN credit program 
uh, and uh, and you know make up for some of the mistakes that the agency has made. And also on the other side of all this, Bob, you know, while the rest of agriculture is dealing with tariffs and trade wars, we don't want to overlook the fact this impacts uh, the growing ethanol export market that is such a bright spot. All this threatens that, too. Oh, it, it certainly does. Look, the export market has been extraordinarily important and growing in importance over the past couple of years as EPA has been tepid in its implementation of this program. But having lost, uh, you know, the billions of gallons in demand uh, to Scott Pruitt, uh, the export market just absolutely needs to grow. And and the fact that uh, there are questions about uh, China, questions about Canada, even questions about Brazil, our top three markets, uh, is uh, concerning to the industry and uh, certainly something we're working hard on. So what do you hear throughout the industry once that resignation of Scott Pruitt Came, became known, uh, was that like a, a breath of fresh air, a cloud that had lift, been lifted off the industry? Well, there's certainly a, a large sigh of relief because, you know, we really do believe that much of the demand destruction that has been occurring at the agency is a consequence of Scott Pruitt and his agenda, not the president's agenda. And so we, we do believe, as you said earlier, there's an opportunity now to hit the reset button and to try to move forward in a more constructive way and focused on demand creation as opposed to demand destruction. Has or do you expect Andrew Wheeler to reach out to the renewable fuels industry and and uh, have a different, uh, you know, kind of more of a working cooperative relationship moving forward? Are you expecting that? Well, actually, I met with Andy about two weeks ago. Uh, like I said, we've known each other for 30 years. It's a, a good relationship. Uh, he does have an open-door policy. Scott Pruitt, uh, you know, would not meet with the industry unless, you know, except for that redemption tour he tried. Uh, but he would have conference calls with the refiners all the time, uh, you know, and he would coordinate strategy with them. You're not going to have that with uh, with Andy. Andy will hear all sides, not just uh, the oil company side. And uh, we will be able to get our voice heard in the agency now uh, when with Scott Pruitt's EPA. That just wasn't happening. All right, Bob, thanks a lot. Uh, we look forward to uh, moving forward on some of these issues and getting them, um, you know, rectified the problems of the past and, and move forward. So it, it is kind of like a fresh start in a way, isn't it? It is, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I am. All right, Bob, as always, good to talk with you. Take care. Thanks, Mike. You too. Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. He makes it very clear he believes it was Scott Pruitt uh, doing the damage uh, to the renewable uh, fuel standard, and uh, was he was not doing what the president wanted him to do. So now we see, moving forward, it's Andrew Wheeler at the helm. Now will we see a change in the policy at EPA towards the renewable fuels industry. Coming up next, what happens with these trade tariffs when it comes to soybeans right in the crosshairs? This is a biggie when it comes to trade with China. We're going to talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan Finlay joins us next on AS on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
All right, crew, let's get her done. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit? Low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. 
Auto financing the easy way. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, when you talk about a trade war with China, you're talking about soybeans. And here to talk about that is the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Uh, What's your assessment uh, of this uh, situation, where we stand right now with China when it comes to soybeans? Hey, good morning, Mike. Well, I think it's tough. If you are a farmer and you have soybeans and a mix of other commodities, trade in general right now is, uh, is having a big impact on markets. And we can look at that short term and we can look at it long term. And both of those are important. And we are doing everything we can in Washington, D.C. and around the country to, to try and, and help farmers and, and let the administration know that this is, this is going to hurt us both short term and long term. But if, um, if you're on the tractor seat right now, it is not pretty. Well, that's the way it's kind of being uh, framed. It's uh, short-term pain for long-term gain. Do you think soybean farmers are going to be patient with that, uh, or can they afford to for very long? Well, that's the the billion-dollar, $14 billion question if we're looking at trade to China right now, and that's about what our our market value is when we export some of our products, some of our soybeans to China. The price on the short term, that's going to fluctuate. I think we saw that almost up 40 cents on Friday or over 40 cents. And then we saw it down this morning and we're down. We were down before Friday. We were down almost $2 since May. I mean, these are huge price fluctuations. But if you are, if you're in this for the long game, that's the real concern. And we, we respect the administration and the direction that they're going to say, hey, Section 301 intellectual property rights there are some major issues with china i don't there aren't very many people that disagree with that it's the way we're going about this that could have a huge impact on agriculture that could have a huge impact on farmers and if we if we don't get this right what's going to happen to the market that that we have with china or that we have with other friends in in our ability to ship those to those markets and I think long-term, that's what frightens us. That's what scares a lot of farmers. And so, it, yes, it's a high-risk, high-reward. If this works, then we're going to be stronger uh, across multiple sectors of, of U.S. economy. But if it goes bad, we're going to lose our number one market for soybeans, and that's a big gamble. What are you hearing, and do you have any uh, 
idea what it might entail, this plan we keep hearing about that the administration will will step in and take care of farmers for any losses during this. Uh, any thoughts on how that might work and if you think it would work? Well, I think our focus has to be on markets. And we have talked to the administration. They've called us and they've they have said, yep, the, you know, the secretary is working on this plan. And I said, I don't, we don't want to talk about a plan. We want to talk about making sure that we have a market that is going to be secure. It's going to allow the export of U.S. soybeans long-term to China and to other markets. And that, that has to be agriculture's focus. As soon as we start talking about, well, our farmers going to receive a payment, what type of mitigation plan can we create? Then, then we've lost the point of international trade development that so many types of agriculture have spent decades working on, and, and China is no different. I mean, China is the ultimate ultimate success story. Farmers have invested millions of dollars of, of their own dollars um, through checkoff programs to develop these markets, improve market access. We get to a point where we're sending $14 billion there uh, worth of beans, and then we have this trade war that starts, and it has such a big impact on us that we, we can't be talking about mitigation. We have to talk about what is the solution that reopens our ability to send beans to China and can be part of the solution? Because there's, if you look at all of the facts, all of the numbers out of China, there's room to grow. That's the crazy part is as much as they consume right now, there's upward potential for us to send them even more soybeans. So instead of, instead of talking about mitigation, we need to talk about how do we, how do we figure out the solution that, um, that soybeans can be a part of. Okay, some say they have to buy. They, they need what we have, including soybeans. They're going to have to buy from us regardless. Uh, is that something to, to, you know, kind of be reassured about, or is that the kind of false hope? I think, let me, let me preface this by saying I am not a global trader by any means, but if we look at the global trade, obviously – the beans have to go someplace, and if there is demand, they have to come from someplace. The challenge will be, are we a primary supplier or a secondary supplier? And if we are a secondary supplier, then it's, it's harmful to us from a price standpoint, and it's harmful to us in, in that the primary market will grow. And so let me, let me be forward with that a little bit more. Our number one competitor right now is Brazil. Brazil has potential to put millions and millions of acres into production. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. The agriculture there is incredible. If they ever figure out infrastructure, we're going to feel it and it's going to hurt. But if if China says, "Hey, we need to see we need more beans from Brazil," it will it will speed up in my opinion. I am concerned it would speed up the process that they would convert some of their Cerrado or some of their land that's not in, in production into production. And so that's where we now have a long-term impact that is uh, that's harmful to farmers all over the United States. So that that's a big concern that we have. We need to be a primary supplier, not to not just to China, but to a lot of other people. And this puts that in jeopardy. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to get them from someplace, but we'd rather have them come to us first. Yeah. Scary time. You get the you get into these things, and neither country wants to look like they're backing down, and that that can make it harder to, to get a breakthrough. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And we have talked to people on the Hill. We've talked to people at USDA. 
people within the White House. And, and these are conversations we have on a weekly basis with all, all of those areas. And we say, look, you have to think of the perspective of that farmer on the tractor seat today. And what does their balance sheet look like? Some are doing okay. Some, and, and you have so many variables of how much land do they own outright? How much do they have, but they, they owe money on it? How many are renting? What is their cost of production with fixed and variable cost? I mean, you can run through all of those numbers, but they're, when you take away 10 to 15 or 20 percent of a farmer's income, they're going to feel that and it's going to hurt. And for some, it's not going to be good at the end of the day. And that's the message that we keep communicating to the administration and to the Hill that, look, there, there's really people out there behind okay. all of this talk and all of these actions that are going to feel this. Ryan, thank you for your perspective. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association.